Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation continuing podcast series. We're coming to you today thanks to generous support from individuals, donors, and our corporate partners, including Celgene. My name is Tricia, and today we're chatting with Teresa Elgin about what she's experienced with bone marrow failure diseases, in particular, aplastic anemia and PNH, or paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria. Do I have that right, Teresa? Yes. Okay. I was looking at our records, and the earliest information that I saw for you was about 10 years ago. Can you tell us what you were doing and how you felt before your diagnosis? Um, Yes, I had no energy. I could not even walk up the stairs in my home. I have a split level. I'd have to stop and rest, and I had pounding in my ears. At that time, I was getting laid off from AT&T, so I, I was just working a lot of hours, you know, getting ready for training people. So I kept ignoring things, knowing I had plenty of time and a few weeks to go to the doctor's. And I had um, an appointment scheduled for, like, April the 16th, but my husband said, that's it, I'm calling the doctor, you're going sooner. (laughs) And I went on April the 5th, and the morning of April 6th, around 1 a.m., my doctor's office called and said my blood results were in, and I needed to get to the emergency room for a blood transfusion. Wow. Called you at 1 a.m.? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that must have been frightening. Yes, it was. It was. Um, We're like, who's calling this time of morning? And I got up and went to the restroom. I came out of the restroom, and my husband said, that was the doctor. I have to take you to the hospital. It was quite a shock because I wasn't expecting that because I was telling him, well, see, they let me come home today. Everything's good. I'm just tired and overworked. (laughs) Wow, was he in shock as well? Yes, he was. Wow. So how how long did it take until you were diagnosed with the you get your first diagnosis? I suppose that was with aplastic anemia. Yes, I was um, diagnosed. They, of course, they admitted me in the hospital and they did all kinds of tests and a bone marrow biopsy. Told me it would take a week or so to get all the results back. And at that time, I was receiving blood every other day, and I also received platelets about once a week. And then on April 13th, which it was Friday the 13th that year, the doctor came back with the results that I had severe aplastic anemia. They explained they were going to treat me with the horse ATG and psychosporin, and I was on a num- like three other medications to combat all the side effects from those two medications. Wow. And and so when they told you you had a p- severe aplastic anemia, did you know what that was at Had all? no idea. Had no idea. And we did what everybody else did. We started looking up on the Internet, which wasn't good because I think even some sites you go to now says it's a five-year lifespan which I've met people that have had it for 30 and 40 years. Right, right. I know that's not true, (laughs) you know, but but then at that time, I started preparing my kids. I didn't know what to expect. Sure, sure. It was a different world 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, Well, it's actually a little bit more than 10. That was in 2007. Wow. 
So um, I got the horse ATG and the psychosporin, and they still kept me in the hospital for a little over a month because my counts weren't coming up as high as I expected. And even after the horse ATG, I was still getting blood transfusions about once a week. But um, the doctor was like, you know what? Your white counts are not coming up. Your platelets are coming up. Your hemoglobin's getting improving. So maybe you'll heal better at home. So he went ahead and sent me home after a little over a month later. Did you have a lot of side effects from the medications? Yes, I was on prednisone, and, you know, of course, you know all the side effects from that. I had to be on blood pressure medicine because my blood pressure kept going up, and I had never had that issue before in my life. And I was on, um, I can't think of the name of it now, but for the reflux acid, I was on medication for that, too, and nausea medication because, of course, all the medication I was on made me sick to my stomach. Of course, of course. So you went home, and you were still getting some transfusions. Uh, then what happened? Um, and then um, after, I think sometime in June or July, around the beginning of July, I believe, um, I went for one of my regular follow-ups with him and everything, and they um, had a doctor from somewhere else there. I don't remember from. Um, that's when my hospital was MD Anderson. And they had another doctor from the hospital out in Texas that came there. And they came, both came in to talk to me and told me um, they had also discovered that I had PNH along with the aplastic anemia. And that's why I was still getting transfusions so often. Well, that was um, pretty fast after your aplastic anemia diagnosis. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people, and I think um, most people, it seems to be years in between, but mine was, like, almost right away. Oh. Um, but, I mean, I love my doctor. He's a great hematologist. Sure. You know, but he didn't he didn't know much more about this disease than I did, and he's always happy when I bring um, information back from the um, conferences and everything because we usually try to attend at least two a year one that the one that's in the state of florida and then we usually go to one of the other ones and i used to attend all the nord conferences when they had those also well could you say again about bringing back bringing in information to your hematologist because i think that some of the listeners will be surprised that even skilled specialists won't be familiar with these rare diseases. Right. Well, um, you know, every time I would go to a conference, I would bring the pamphlets that they had available for the doctors, bring them back to him, and he was always real appreciative of it because he didn't know much more about the disease than I did at that time. And, of course, now you are the expert. (laughs) <laughs> that's right? what they tell me <laughs> yeah I'm sure I'm sure and patients do become experts in these diseases so um, when you were diagnosed with PNH what was the next decision for treatment for you that's when um, Solaris had just been um, approved by the FDA April of that year and they told me you know there's a new drug that just got approved by the FDA and, you know, they went through everything with it, you know, and the meningitis and all that. And they said, would you be interested in trying it? And I said, at this, you know, I'm ready to try anything, you know. 
I want to go back to work. You know, I don't, I didn't expect when I got laid off that I would be going through all this. You know, I thought I'd be out looking for a job. Yeah, so I started um, Solaris in August of 2007. I um, received one blood transfusion after I started Solaris, and I didn't get another blood transfusion until 2015. Wow. Yeah, that long on Solaris, nothing. Yeah, from August 2007 till late 2015, I didn't have any. Well, that that sounds like that was an effective treatment for you. For a time, yeah. Yeah. And then what happened? Eight years. Then I started needing transfusions again, and it was like every two to three months. So um, they'd always told me you should always see a specialist. So I talked to Leah Clark, and um, she helped me make the appointment, and they helped me with my travel expenses to go see Dr. DeCastro in North Carolina. So I seen him in January 2006, and he told me about the clinical trial APL2. And at that time, I'm thinking that's a big commitment, having to go to North Carolina all the time. And my transfusions were still two to three months apart, so I thought, "Eh, I think I'll pass it this time. You know, so I didn't, you know, sign up for it at that time. And then several months later, um, about May or June 2006, my transfusions started getting like two weeks apart. And my doctor was concerned, thinking it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Even though they had upped my Solaris to where I was getting it every week, and they did every week at 900 milligrams, and then they went every week at 1,200 milligrams, and I was still requiring the transfusions. So that was 2016? Mm-hmm. 2000? Okay. And so my doctor said, what about calling back Dr. DeCastro, see if they have an opening in the trial, because he said, I'm at the point to where we're going to do something radical, like remove your spleen or something, and try to see if that makes a difference. And so I called Dr. DeCastro's office. They didn't have any openings. So as I have always done since I've had this disease, I just started doing research on APL2 on the Internet. And there were six locations that were involved in this study, and I found one in Miami. So I contacted Dr. Roman in Miami, and they did not have an opening either, but he put me through the whole interview. He wrote down all my information. He said, I should have an opening soon. When it does come up, I will call you. Well, I think in about a week or so, he called me and said I was in. Wonderful. So I was like, okay, now this, you know, go a different direction, see how this works. So um, I had to get quite a few vaccines before I could start that clinical trial. And a couple of them were hard to find. I had to go to, um, even though I live in Orlando, Florida, that we have, you know, a lot here, I still had to go to... Uh, other counties surrounding us trying to find a couple of the vaccines. So it took me a while to get all those done. I think I had everything done by August of that year. And then I got, I had a transfusion in the beginning. Um, of course, I was getting transfusions during that time. I had a transfusion in the beginning of September, but I was scheduled to start my new medication in the middle of September. 
so I went down to Miami in September and got my first dose of APL2, and I stayed in Miami for that whole week, and I was in the office every day, and, you know, they were keeping a close eye on me and everything. Ever since my first dose of APL2, my hemoglobin, the lowest it has been, has been a 9, and that's just when I get sick. Before that, it was running between 6 and 8, and I now pretty much stay between 10 and 11 and drop down to 9 once in a while if I get a cold or, you know, anything like that. And I feel almost normal again. I still have fatigue, but they said that'll never go away because you still have the disease. We're just treating it. But um, I feel like I can do a lot more than what I used to do. And I work full-time. Wow. Yeah, I was working full-time when I was even, like, I started back to work in 2008, late 2008, which, of course, during that time, I was doing great on the Solaris. But even when I started getting transfusions again, I'd tell my boss, i got to get a blood transfusion. I'll be in late today. She's like, are you sure? Don't you just want to take the whole day off? And I told her I feel much better after a blood transfusion, so <laughs> I'll be fine. So I understand that's the time when you want to work is after you've right. been transfused, not before. <laughs> right, exactly. So you had to advocate for yourself and do the research to find another APL2 trial. Correct. Wow. I, you know, I just thought, you know, okay, there's got to be somebody out here. Maybe someone else out here is doing it, you know, well, too. The power of the patient at work. That is awesome. So who helped you the most while you were trying to figure this out and then going back and forth to Miami? My husband, he's always by my side. He's goes to every, I think there's only one trip he didn't go to Miami with me. And um, in the beginning, I had to go every week, then every two weeks, and then once a month. And now I, I go every three months. Wow. I do the, yes, I do my, um, it's a sub-Q injection. I do it myself at home. Now, in the beginning, I had nurses come in every day. Right. But um, about a year or so ago, I think, is when they had me stop Solaris. Because I was, in the beginning of the trial, I was doing Solaris and APL2. But um, a little over a year ago, they said, okay, we're going to, drop Solaris, but don't be concerned because if we see your numbers dropping, you'll just go right back on it. But I've had, I'm only on the clinical trial drug right now. Nothing else. Is the clinical drug, trial drug giving you any side effects? Mm, no, the biggest problem I have, because in the beginning they had one small needle and it was fine, <laughs> but now they changed just to two needles and the needles are a little bit bigger, but I only do it every three days instead of every day. So it's a larger amount of medicine because it's every three days instead of every day. So I guess that's why they changed the pump the pump and everything. So I get a little bit of soreness where the needles goes in, but usually within an hour or so that goes away. Well, wonderful. That sounds that sounds very doable. So yes, your quality of life sounds pretty good, other than the fatigue, is that right? Um, yes. Um, before, when I started getting the transfusions again, I'm a very outdoorsy person, and I have a couple of my grandchildren and scouts, 
and I would do the camping and the hiking and the trips with them all the time, you know, and um, I couldn't do them for a couple of years there. I just couldn't do it anymore. But um, about three or four months after I started this trial, I went ahead, okay, there's a camping trip coming. I want to try it and see how it goes. And I went, great. So I'm back to doing that. I'm back to doing a lot. I have a very full life, so the fatigue may not even be because I'm sick. It may be I'm a busy person. I work full time. (laughs) (laughs) My husband has his own business, and I do his books for him. And um, I'm very involved with my grandchildren. And plus my um, 88-year-old mother-in-law lives with me, and I take care of her. Wow. Um, Who would have have guessed this from from your first day of diagnosis with aplastic anemia to now? Who would have guessed this? This is wonderful. Yes. So now that you've come this far into survivorship, Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice or wisdom that you'd like to share with newly diagnosed patients? Um, the biggest thing is go see a PNH specialist and don't be afraid to try anything because there's all kinds of trials out there. And just don't be afraid to try a clinical trial because it's, you know, if it doesn't work, they're going to take you off of it. But if it works, who knows what your life's going to be. Words of wisdom. Also, I want to thank you for um, all that you do in volunteering with the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation. I know you and your husband are very busy supporting through your activities, and that means a lot. And your, your voice today will be going out to patients who have found themselves somewhere along the journey that you have described and just a little bit of your words of knowledge and experience will go a long way into easing their mind and helping them manage as they go through the next steps. So I want to appreciate you and thank you for sharing your story with our listeners And thank you, listeners, for being with us today. Remember, you can find out more about all types of bone marrow failure diseases on our website at aamds.org, through social media, and you can chat with your peers online at marrowforums.org. Thanks again, Teresa. You're welcome. And we'll see everybody next time. Bye-bye.